you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17, familiar passage of Scripture today. It will not be lengthy at all tonight to share with you. Share with you here just a little bit. 1 Kings, chapter 17, begin reading in verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this is Elijah, he's speaking to, Arise, give thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah." Of course, we know this, this, these books of First and Second Kings are actually one, one book, but they were divided for our, for our ease and for our understanding. And this book of First Kings uh, was under the monarchy of Solomon, and uh, Solomon was doing real good until he got a bunch of women in his life. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. I don't mean, I hope that didn't sound bad, but he started marrying a bunch of women different women of different beliefs and different religions and started bringing in the gods of all those other women. And that's when he started becoming disobedient and that's when the United Kingdom became divided. Anytime God, you put other gods before the God of Jehovah, it will be divided. I don't care whose nation it is. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You know what that means? Blessed is the nation that puts God first. And anytime you put anything above God, it will be divided. So that's the way it was. And so he started following all the gods of all of his wives. and, And now there's a divided kingdom. And now the northern part, there's this evil king. And he has a, a more evil wife. Their names are Ahab and Jezebel. And we're introduced here in First Kings 17 to Elijah. Now, all we know is he's a Tishbite from the inhabitants of Gilead, as verse 1 tells us. We don't know anything else other than that we find out that later he is a prophet. Really no background. He just shows up one day and he tells Elijah, excuse me, he tells King Ahab, there's not going to be any rain till I say so. And so because of your disobedience, Ahab, because you are... You are disobeying God and because you are evil, there shall no rain come upon this earth until I say so. And so that's exactly what happens. And then 
God tells him to go down to the brook Cherith. And while he's there, he commanded the ravens to, to, uh, to help him, to sustain him there by that brook. And God helped him and, and provided for him every day. Now we get down to verse 8 where we started to read. And now he transitions him from Cherith to Zarephath. And it says that Zarephath is a city which belongeth to Zidon. Zidon, I don't know if you realize this or not, but that's the home of Jezebel. That's where she's from. And so they worshiped a God called Baal. Baal is, among other things, is a God of fertility. Now think about that. Elijah goes into the enemy's territory who they think rules the rain and the fertile ground and, and the water and all the things that come up because of the rain. They think that Baal rules that. And Elijah says, uh-uh. You think your God rules it? I'm going to tell you what my God can do. There ain't no rain coming. Right into the enemy's territory and tells him this is what's going to happen. And so Zarephath, in its etymology, its Hebrew etymology, it simply means refinery. It's what the word means. The word Zarephath means refinery. And if we kind of use that as a theme for this sermon tonight about refining and about Elijah and about this widow, we're going to learn some things about the refining of faith. And refining, of course, you know, is the purification process of metals and how refining of fire and the fire will burn the impurities out of the metals in order to make them usable. And so uh, really, if, if you think about this story and about what's happening is we're going to find out this refining process or the refining of faith was not about the people of Zarephath at all. It was about refining Elijah. God was using this city. He was using this plan or this process to refine the prophet of God. Why would he do that? Because he's getting ready to go up against an army of Baal, the prophets of Baal. He's about ready to enter a showdown and he needs refine in order to face what's coming ahead. Do you realize tonight sometimes the fire of God comes in judgment because of things we have done. But at other times the fire of God comes to purify us, to prepare us for what's coming ahead. So sometimes when we face things, don't curse the trials that come. Don't curse the fire that God sends in your life. Sometimes he's strengthening you because the refining process not only gets the impurities out, but it also strengthens what remains. You're stronger when you come out of the fire than you were before you went into the fire. And hallelujah, sometimes God allows the fire to help us and strengthen us for the future and what's coming ahead. That's what he was doing with Elijah. He was making sure, he was refining him and getting him ready. Three things about this passage of scripture and what this text, I believe, teaches us among many other things that you've heard over the years. But number one, I want you to notice Elijah's submission. Elijah's submission. This, he tells him to get from Cherith and go down to Zarephath. For there I have commanded, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, when you think about it in context, this is the first time Elijah had to trust the provision of God through human hands. He'd always been taken care of up until this point from the hand of God. And now he had to trust God to use human hands to provide for him. 
You say, Brian, what does that have to do with me? And submitting. Calvin Ray preached it today. He had no idea what I was going to say. But I have to piggyback on what he said. Sometimes we as human beings can isolate ourselves so much. And we deprive ourselves of being supplied by God through other people's hands. But yet we don't want those people in our lives. God will allow people to enter into your lives that up until that point, God provided for you in different methods. Now he's going to use the methods of human hands to provide for you. Don't ever overlook people in your life that God has placed there because they could be the very one that he uses to provide for you. Don't overlook. And so he had to, he refined his faith by using this woman. Now think about this. He's going to an unknown place to meet an unknown person with an unknown provision. He had no way of knowing who this woman was. He had never been to Zarephath, no doubt. And now he's going, he said, to sustain thee. He had no idea what that meant. But by faith, He had to submit in the fact that the same God that took care of me by the brook, (laughs) if he did that, surely he can use a widow woman to help me. But still, he had to submit to the plan and the process of God to go to an unknown place to meet an unknown person with an unknown provision. So he had to trust God with the unknown. And really, isn't that what real faith is all about? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what real faith is. And if you look at this widow woman a little bit closely, think about this. She was a widow, so her social status had been lowered because she didn't have a husband. So undoubtedly, that meant she lacked finances. Secondly, she also lacked faith because she was a worshiper of Baal. And thirdly, she lacked familiarity. She didn't know Elijah. So now we have Elijah and this widow woman had never met. And God says, I'm going to put you two together by the divine providence of God. Now think about that. Now we look at it and we just read over it and think, oh yeah, he, he went down there. But really, put yourself in Elijah's shoes. Would you have done what Elijah done? Go right down into the enemy's territory to find a widow woman, not knowing, oh, all the, up until this time, you had plenty of water to drink. You had ravens feeding you every day miraculously. And now you're gonna leave this spot of comfort where God has provided for you and he says, go down here to the enemy's territory and I've, I've sent forth a widow woman to help you. But if you think about it, Elijah didn't have to worry because he used ravens, didn't he? Right? Let's break this down. The ravens lacked finances. The ravens lacked faith. And the ravens lacked familiarity. So really the ravens and the widow woman were the exact same. So really all Elijah had to do was go back in his mind 
and said, you know what, God used the same methods before to provide for me. And if he did it with a bird, he can do it with a widow woman. I believe and I have faith to submit to what the plan of God says to do. Folks, I know sometimes it's crazy. And I know what God puts in our minds sometimes is just out of the soil. It's so out of the ordinary. You think, how in the world am I going to follow this? You don't have to worry. What God did for you back then, he can do for you today. Hallelujah. And you're answer was birthed in your last struggle. Don't doubt what God can do. Your faith, your faith, your faith was birthed in your very last struggle. Just be reminded of what he's done for you in the past. And you can look to the future. And he said, my land, if he had done that with a raven, think about what he could do with this widow woman. This submission, this submission. But, I, but I'm sure, I'm sure you're still maybe struggling with this. No doubt Elijah probably struggled. But maybe the reason why you have a struggle with this is because maybe you think God can only use certain people to sustain you. Sometimes we don't understand. <laughs> God has the power to make provision out of poverty. He does. I don't understand it. But I never overlook anyone in the ministry. You say, Brian, you talking about fine? No, I'm not talking about that. This has nothing to do with money has everything to do with provision. I don't have to worry about finances because I tithe. Well, that half of you didn't. Now, I, we don't have to preach that much right here. You guys are amazing. But I will tell you this, if you ain't tithing, you need to tithe. Maybe that's why you struggle financially so much. Because you wait till the end to give it to God, give him your left, what's left. Nah, you give it to him at the very beginning and watch what God can do with what you have left. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's good preaching. No, I'm talking about provision. I don't have to worry about finance. God takes care of me because I give to him. But I don't overlook where my next blessing is going to come from. Because automatically we can look at people like Ernestine and, and Jamie and Josh and these and Tim Mitchell. And I can look at them and see what God does in them. And I can automatically get blessed. But you want to know what I need sometimes? I need something deeper. I need something that God only has just for me. And that's when I look over at the Jubilee Choir on Wednesday night and I see Laura Miller singing, raising her hand the day before we had a memorial service for her husband. You know what that did for me? It strengthened my faith to realize that no matter what the struggle is, he's still worthy and he's still good. Hallelujah. Woo. The submission. Notice, secondly, the sacrifice. Elijah's sacrifice, but the widow's, excuse me, Elijah's submission, but the widow's sacrifice. 
So he went down there to Zarephath in verse 10. And when he got to the gate, he saw this widow. You say, well, how did he know that she was a widow? Because she was gathering sticks. That was her husband's job. And undoubtedly, since she didn't have a husband, she was the one that had to do the work. So Elijah knew right away this was the widow. So she's gathering those, those sticks. And notice what he said to her. I'm talking about sacrifice now. Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Was not this the same man that just a few verses earlier says there wasn't going to be any water? (laughs) There wasn't going to be any rain? There was a famine? Hardly any water around? But yet, she was willing to go and find some water, wasn't she? So, So then, as she's going away, he asked her for something else. Oh, by the way, well, you know, on your way back, can you bring me a piece of bread? Now notice, she had no objection to the water. But she had a problem with the bread. You know why? Everyone stood to lose water. I mean, really. Everybody was going to be losing water. So water didn't mean much. But the bread... She had plans for that. And Elijah interrupted her plans. And Elijah, what he, what he really did was he impressed his will on this widow. She said, no, wait a minute, you don't understand. I'm, all I've got is a little bit left. I'm going to make a cake. My son and myself, we're going to eat it and we're going to die. That's my plans. Elijah said, your plans are going to change. Have you ever had plans and God just stepped in and impressed his will on you? And say, I know you've got everything. I know you've got everything on a vision board. And I know you've got everything mapped out. And I know you've got 5, 10, 15 year plan down the road. But then God just steps in and says, wait a minute. Where am I at in this plan? And he impresses his will. But notice her sacrifice. He said, give it to me first. (laughs) You mean I got it? You know, if it was me. On the, if I was the widow, I would say, wait, I ain't giving you anything above my boy. I don't care if I eat or not. I'm going to die anyway, but my boy's going to get something over you. But Elijah said, no, you take care of the man of God first. You take care of me first. It wasn't about Elijah. It's about who he represented. So you take care of the man of God and by the word of the Lord, here's what's going to happen to you. And so she sacrificed. He said, all he, all Elijah said was just put me first. Folks, God doesn't require much. The only thing he requires is that we put him first. 
May I remind you what the book of Matthew says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If we get anything out of order, we will receive the blessings that are rightfully ours. But hallelujah, there's nothing better than to put God first. Hallelujah. But then in verse 12, she told Elijah why she couldn't obey him. Really, she was telling him why it was impossible. Because look at what she said. She said, I've just, I just got a handful of meal. I've got a little oil. I'm gathering two sticks. You know what she was saying? I ain't got enough. I ain't got enough, preacher. I ain't got enough. Don't you understand? She actually had too much. Because God made something out of nothing. And so <laughs> she had to be willing to sacrifice and give what she had left. And God took what she had left. And gave her more than she could ever possibly think or imagine. That's all God wants. It's for us to put him first and give him our all. And what we think, what we have in our possession, we think of our lives as nothing, as meaningless. And we think, what can God do with little old me? I'll tell you what the problem is. You think too highly of yourself. (laughs) You're not little. You're not big. You're nothing without God. So all he wants is for us to give us, uh, give him ourselves, empty ourselves. And hallelujah, he can make something out of nothing. That's good preaching, hallelujah. A, a little bit is no excuse to disobey God. Amen? Little is no excuse. Let him use what you have left. Finally, notice this teaches us about God's supply. He said, this is what God's going to do with, for you. The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail. He said, if you put me first, I will supply. And there may be a famine outside of your house, but on the inside of your house, (laughs) you're going to have more than enough. You're going to have enough to make it through every day. There may be a famine all around you, but you're going to experience sufficiency and supplication because I'm going to take care of you because you are willing to follow the word of the Lord. I don't care what's happening all around you. Hallelujah. If you give him and you obey him and sacrifice and give him your all. Hallelujah. I don't care what's going on around the world. I don't care if every bank collapses. I don't care if the dollar goes down to nothing. I don't care if there's no bread at Walmart. Hallelujah, God's going to take care of his own. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. But look at what he left her. Look at what God left her. God could have just as easily left her a cake. But he left her two things. Oil and flour. Meal, but it's flour. Say it with me, left her her two things, oil and flour. Say it, oil, flour. Say it, 
flower. He could have gave her a cake, but he didn't. You know why? (laughs) You want to know why? I'll tell you why. Because even though God supplies, it doesn't release you having the responsibility to take care of what he gives you. So even though he didn't give her a cake, he gave her the ingredients to make a cake. (laughs) So every day, oh, that's good. So every day she had to get up. And yeah, she went to the, to, to the, the barrel of meal and to the cruise of oil. She said, thank you, God. It is no, it is no worry of me. It's not hard for me to bake this cake. Why? Because you gave the flour and you gave the oil. And so I'll do what, what you've called me to do. And aren't you thankful tonight? Every day that the famine existed until the rain started again, God gave them just enough. Pastors preached this years ago, and I totally agree. I don't think he gave her overabundance of flour and an overabundance of oil. I think every day she had an empty barrel, and every day she had an empty cruise. And that when she went to bed, she prayed, Lord, you did it yesterday, do it again today. <laughs> Glory to his name. And every day she woke up. God gave her exactly what he said he would. You know why? According to the word of the Lord. So it didn't matter what the circumstances were around her. It didn't matter who was on the throne. It didn't matter the famine all around. She could wake up every day knowing she would have what she needed because God said so. Don't doubt what God has said. If he has said it, it will happen. If he said he will provide your need according to his riches and glory, he will do it. He may use a raven one day and a widow the next, but he'll get it done.